0: satisfying. I realize they put a couple of garbage touchdowns up at the end there and that's exactly, that's what they were. They were garbage time touchdowns. The only time that Cincinnati's offense able to do anything all day at the very end when it was out of it and uh, then and we really kind of gave it away at the end when they didn't go for the onside kick. Once again, if, if Hugh Jackson's uh, influence on the Bengals has anything to do with game management understanding of clock positioning and so forth, then it made total sense there at the end because You know, you kick it deep there, you're basically putting yourself in an almost impossible uh, circumstance, even if everything goes right. But either way, um, it really wasn't close, even though the Browns didn't end up covering the spread. How about that? That may be something we have to talk about from a week-to-week basis as we move forward. But um, probably not next week, though. But today, they were nine-and-a-half-point favorites coming into this game against the Bengals, and they end up winning it 26-18 to 18 at the place no longer known. The, the Factory of Sadness has been officially shut down. And it is now, from now on, It's, uh, it's no, it always has been the Factory of Sadness at First Energy Field, but from henceforth, it shall be known as, or is known as, uh, The Bake. And so, t- today was a game that... You could hear you know that that moment there kind of uh, towards the end of the game where the fans were all just kind of uh, chanting baker baker ba-. that's that was just that was just all of it that was just tremendous loved every piece of that, and this really was you know i it, it didn't really occur to me until maybe sometime Friday it was sometime after the last time that I spoke with you where I kind of realized what this game actually was. Because uh, I just, I, I, th- it was there and it just, I was just missing it. But what this game was, was uh, our homecoming game. You know, going up against the Bengals with, and they, they mentioned it where Hugh Jackson basically is, um, like the, the Well, he is the assistant to the head coach, but when the Bengals' offense is on the field, Marvin Lewis is spending all of his time with the defensive unit, and that means that Jackson is basically handling all the coaching duties. And so, okay, you got that going on, and then you got Jeff Driscoll as your starting quarterback going up against us, and we've been playing pretty well down the stretch. So everything pointed to this being pretty much exactly what it was, which is just us, you know, just a whipping. Uh, it ended up being an eight-point win and yet certainly you know could have you know probably should have been by multiple scores but who cares uh it's a it's a it's a game that everybody expected us to win easily and we did so when was the last time that we could say that you know i mean this is and and within it with or with within it yeah um is the first time by the way my name is easy weave this is easy does it on dogs by nature appreciate talking to you after the Browns' seventh win of the 2018 campaign, and they now move to the most 500 on the year. They are 7-7-1 and now, back to 500 after getting down uh, after the Steelers' loss. I think they were, uh, what, 2-6-1? and Is that right? Yeah. No, 2-5-1. and And uh, then, of course, uh, Hugh Jackson let go along with Todd Haley. The offensive coordinator positions given to Freddie Kitchens and the head coaching responsibilities given to Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator responsibilities, you know, basically done by Williams, but the play calling responsibilities on game day going to his son Blake Williams. The Browns today, offensively and defensively, um, well, I mean, look, they were just they were just better than the Bengals in every way and for pretty much all of this game up until the very end when they were able, like I say, to do do a couple of things. And make it, they make the score um, kind of deceptive for how dominant truly it was. Because I mean, offensively and defensively, we just had their number. Uh, it, I mean, re- this is—I talk about this all the time—in terms of scheming a game. And Freddie Kitchens with that offense, and with Greg and Blake Williams, both with the way that they schemed this game and the way that they called plays, adjusting it throughout. It was just—they they totally whipped the Bengals coaching staff. And then our guys on the field. Um, just beat the hell out of him with talent. I mean, the, the, the talent uh, w- with that we had. And I mean, realistically, I mean, you, you have it. You have to have the, the blocked punt there at the end. Peppers misses a play. Otherwise, luckily, he had a pretty decent game. Um, you have to have that in order for it to get as close as it was. And you figure we had a 55 yard catch and run by Higo removed in the first uh, half where it was. <laughs> I mean. And, and this is really going to be a. I'm, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time complaining about the refs, but they are really exceptionally. They've always they're always bad. You know, I make this point all the time. They're, they're, the referees, the officiating is always bad. It's just always been that way, and there doesn't really seem to be any effort to ever make it better. But it was just that play was just so especially bad. And then on the first drive of the game, we go for it and make it on a fourth and one, end up getting it called back on a a motion penalty which didn't really see the the replay on but you know these these things when especially when you look at the offensive pass interference penalty called on Rashard Higgins it's so it's just so absurd um that you would take away a 55 yard gain like that on something <laughs> where it's just it's just not a violation of the rule that I mean realistically we talk about this before in terms of the the way that the the refs are um you know they're they're all part-time guys a lot of it, I think, is done through like nepotism and you know cronyism and so on, as far as the way these guys get these jobs. A lot of them are highly successful in whatever it is they're doing, and they just there's just not a whole lot invested into them doing their jobs well. And there certainly doesn't appear to be any sort of consequence for them not doing their jobs well, as we've seen you know a lot this year. But it is a point where I mean I, th- I think it's worth for as much as a cash cow the NFL is, for as much as a Leviathan uh, enterprise as it is, <clears throat> whatever it is they pay these guys, and I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 250 grand a year or something, you could cut it in half, and you could, you, I mean, you could get, a, a you know many different people you you could you could basically have a draft you could get people from all over the country that would love love the opportunity to be NFL referees like they're like they spend all of their time when not refereeing games like learning how to be better referees like doing you know game type situations and coming up with drills so that way they could refine the refereeing skills and then on top of that make some of these penalties like that push off make them reviewable why not you still have three reviews per game, so it's not like it's, you know, you still have the, the opportunity for game for teams to stop it uh, tw- uh, twice or possibly more if they get the first two right. But, I mean, it's, which, I mean, so it's not going to slow the, the game down anymore. I'm not suggesting that you give them more challenges. I'm just saying allow them to challenge more things. Because these penalties are ridiculous. A lot of them are. And, again, I'm not, you know, wanting to complain about the refs. I'm just saying that in, in this, that because that, that was especially frustrating because Baker throws the guy open. And it's a nice catch-and-run by Higgins. Would have put us down first and goal. And we would have been on top of these guys way earlier. And would have possibly gotten Baker closer to the, uh, the touchdown. And I really, you know, generally speaking, I don't care about stats. But I'm really invested. I really hope that Baker gets to, uh, um, gets you know, he, now he's got to have to have a big game against uh, Baltimore in order to do it, but um, breaks the rookie touchdown record. Because that thing, that's tough. With Peyton, I mean, even if he ties it, that's still pretty huge. But if he were to break it, then I think that you may, you know, maybe the most, maybe undisputed, you know, best rookie season of all time. As it is, you know, did a little looking. You know, he'd he'd be in line right now for the third best season as far as uh, quarterback rating is concerned. Who are the top two? Well, Roethlisberger, if you'll remember, he came in. Although, different role, Roethlisberger. Now, Roethlisberger came in, started um, because of an injury to uh, Tommy Maddox. Um, Didn't, you know, was not as a rookie what he is today. He was, as a rookie, pretty good. You know, as a rookie, he was certainly ahead of his time. Um, Was polished and was accurate, but the Steelers in those days also were really a running team. And so a lot of what they did in the passing game was off of the play action. And so Roethlisberger was really good for that Type of an offense that was you know that's it was really just kind of more of a game manager and he and he managed it well so he had the top rating and dan marino was number two both of those guys significantly down as far as uh career rating so it's interesting that and mayfield is just maybe those guys are at like 96 and 95 point something and mayfield is like right at 95 as far as passer rating is concerned by the way nick chubb with 974 yards on the year uh, Brown's all-time rookie record for rushing in a season. Congratulations to Nick Chubb. Uh, congratulations to this team. Congratulations to uh, Greg Williams. I don't care what the final score says. That was a that was a whooping that he just laid on the Bengals, sweeping those putzes for the first time since 2002 for us. Great job. Yeah, and, and I mentioned it was a well-coached game from the standpoint of they they. You know, I've mentioned before what my criteria is for coaching, uh, which is being you know within what what uh, John Dorsey has for his, you know, the high football IQ, uh, high integrity, and teacher of men, you know, that sort of thing, and then within, after that, after you kind of clear that prerequisite, then I want a guy that can scheme another team, that can uh, display an ability to have harmony and, and, uh, you know, togetherness and so on, accord, however you want to describe it, being on the same page, and then the ability to adjust if the scheme goes poorly. Today, I thought we just totally had them beat uh, scheme-wise. I mean, we really just had them, uh, Freddie Kitchens on offense. Uh, how about that pass by Jarvis Landry, left-handed, threw a dime uh, over the shoulder to uh, Brashard Perryman. Um, but it just seemed like they had whatever we were doing offensively. We just had them beat defensively. And you know, also kudos to Baker for even though we had you know the big pass play taken away, had a couple plays taken away, um, and not just taken away by penalty. Guys dropping passes early on. Stuck with it, and while, and that, the numbers on the game actually turned out look pretty good. Uh, 27 out of 37, 284, three touchdowns, no picks. I don't believe he was sacked at all today either. Um, which would mean two games, I think, against the Bengals where they didn't get to him either time. So. Uh, with, you know, back to the offensive line playing dominant, or oh, they were pretty much dominant last week, except so they just gave up a sack, which was just so, I mean, uh, yeah, kudos to that whole unit playing, you know, as well as they did with uh, their their man, Bob Wiley, being out. I mean, Bob Wiley was on the injury report. How cool is that? But the, uh, the, the overall offensive, you know, performance of everybody, a couple of drops here and there, and uh, Joku, I think, on the first play of the game, and Baker wasn't... As kind of laser sharp as he's been, I mean, his numbers ultimately there was you know there was one play by Baker that I really um, appreciated. I'm just going to fixate on here for a moment because I thought it was a sign of maturity and kind of having your the right priorities. Because um, you look for these sorts of things, you, you, A guy like him, you look at you, you look at a rookie year like this and the way that he's performing, you think this can't be we we can't we can't have just you know hit the lottery on the perfect quarterback prospect because he looks to be. But there's a point in the game where he's got, like, 14 or 15. And I'm not sure if it was called. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the overall – what the number ended up being. But there was a, a shovel pass that looked like to Dontrell Hilliard, which means that he should have been um, – that, that, that should have been called a pass, which would have been, I think, the 15th consecutive completion in a row for Mayfield. But then on the next play – and I don't know if it was or not, or if they called that a running play. But on the next play, on the next pass – you see him challenging the defense on a a go-route on the outside. A tough pass, one that he gave, and I'm pretty sure it was Perriman again, gave him a chance to make the play. Defender got the arm up and knocked it away, swatted away. Great play by the defender. But it was just, to me it was, here he is, you know, 14, 15 in a row, whatever it is, and you don't see him concerned about extending that. You know, I watched a game earlier this year. I think it was um, – uh, Tennessee and maybe I forget now, uh, Indianapolis or some, they were playing somebody, and they got beaten pretty well. It was on a, 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 a primetime game, and Mariota was like almost like a couple of passes away from having a perfect game as far as um, attempts and at completions. Now the Titans got beat you know they, they were beaten pretty soundly but you it looked to me like late in the game like mariota was intentionally dumping off so that way he can keep that going i don't you know i don't mean to you know i'm not i don't mean to be an a, a, an aspersions caster i don't mean to cast aspersions i'm not trying to do that i'm just saying that's what it looked like to me that it looked to me like he was trying to pad his stats and you've seen guys try to do that over the years where they're thinking about, you know, records or they're thinking about, you know, trying to keep a streak like that going. And so they don't necessarily take the best play. They take the, the best play for whatever statistical accomplishment they're going for. And Baker there in that moment didn't even, you know, that, way he, that wasn't even on his mind. His On his mind was, I want to go down and score a touchdown. And, you know, maybe that means you throw a higher, you know, risk pass but that's how you know. I don't. I don't mind you know those passes being incomplete, and and I don't mind passes where you're you're attacking the defense, um, and it doesn't. It just doesn't you know necessarily work out, and it gets knocked away or whatever. I, that's not a bad incompletion to me, because I think that you gotta you've you've, you've always got to be stretching the defense. You've always got to be challenging them. You gotta they gotta know that you're gonna go deep at any time, because that also opens up the running lane. So Nick Chubb with a big game today. Mention it, but I said getting the all-time rookie rushing record. How about you know about to become the first uh, Browns running back, rookie running back, to uh, go over a thousand yards? That would be very cool, and I think a very um, you know that that would be a a real uh, feather in John Dorsey, who I affectionately refer to around here as Meathead. I mean, a big feather in his cap to have, you know, you already have the guy that you took number four overall, Denzel Ward, is, is in the Pro Bowl. Baker is in as an alternate. And given the way... That it works out, chances are whoever's ahead of him is going to be playing in the Super Bowl, and those guys don't end up playing, so it's possible he could end up playing in the thing, but that would be and then Nick Chubb having over a thousand yards after having not really even saw the field you know here's something to think about with Nick Chubb he's going to go over a thousand yards, and I'm sorry to be bouncing all over the place like I do, but you know how I is, but Nick Chubb is about to go over a thousand yards as a rookie first brown's ever Brown's player ever to do that. By the way, it's nice watching Joe Hayden get called for a pass interference penalty. I realize the Steelers losing probably means Baltimore wins that division, but I don't care. I still can't root for the Ingers to win under any circumstances. And it's always good to especially see Joe Hayden, of all people, fail. But not to get sidetracked here. Nick Chubb getting over 1,000 yards in his rookie season, as it looks like he's about to do. Is impressive. Like I say, it you know it, it broke Jim Brown and Trent Richardson. You know those are you know Trent Richardson had just gotten past Jim Brown. If uh, Chubbers has a big game against uh, Baltimore, then he could end up. Now uh, he doesn't need that much. He only needs like 26 yards to get to a thousand. But if he has a big game, then he could significantly beat both of those guys, which would be you know it's very fitting. But also, I mean, consider that he didn't play. He wasn't in the starting lineup, so he only got a couple of carries a game, right? For the first what six games? When when was it? When was the trade for Hyde? The, when the trade of Hyde was that after the Oakland game? Was that after the the, the San Diego game? I think it was the San Diego game. So what's that? So I think that's like six games, right? I, I'm, I'm going to say six games because I don't remember. So we're talking, you know, a lot, almost half the year you know, or a large part. We'll say that he, he got three quarters of a season in, and at three quarters of a season gets over 1,000 yards, but consider this as well. I'd have to go back and watch uh, to really get a sense of this, but I bet you probably could add a couple of hundred yards to his runs on big ones that he ripped off earlier this season that ended up getting called back by penalty. Yeah, and as I say that, I'm sure you were, Oh yeah, there were a lot of there was a lot of plays that Nick Chubb made this year that ended up getting called back by penalty. Um, so all that to say, f- fantastic rookie year for Nick Chubb. Fantastic draft pick by John Dorsey, and uh, a, an overall good looking roster uh, here for the good guys as they beat the Bengals. And you know it's all about Baker Mayfield and him. You know in, in this game today. I think that you say he probably didn't play his best game, right? He probably didn't look the the best that he's looked at times this year. Maybe didn't play as well as he did the first time that he played this team. But okay, he didn't play his best game, and was was twenty seven to thirty seven for almost three hundred yards and three touchdowns and no picks and no sacks. So I'll take that as the not you know not a very good uh, or not your best game. And uh, I'm gonna step away for a moment. When I come back, talk about, um, m- well, more obviously about Mayfield's performance and the performance of the rest of this team. But you know, obviously where we uh, where we stand now with 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 the coaching of this team. That's kind of the big the big. Uh, yeah, that, that really is going to be the big question until it's solved. And, and honestly, we're not that far away. We may only be about a week or so away from knowing the answer to the question about whether or not uh, we, we may decide to uh, stick with what we have or, um, or move on to somebody else. But I'll be back in a moment. This is Easy Does It here on Dogs by Nature. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh yeah, baby! With the kids jingling. Oh yeah! And everyone sure is. Most wonderful time of the year, Andy Williams. I figure I'd, I'd pay it off at least once. You know, just kind of keep. It's, it's my own uh, play action fake. I just keep, you know, cutting it off, cutting it off, cutting off at the most. But then eventually, I would, I would pay it off, and it, it finally is here. And the final broadcast. Uh, well, the final broadcast of the Christmas season, and certainly, you know, sorry that I got so far into this. While well, wishing all of you a very Merry Christmas out there listening to uh, all of our content here on Dogs by Nature. My name is Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It. Celebrating the Browns' seventh win, their most the the most wins that they've had, their highest win total since the 2014 campaign, and they can do better than that uh, with a uh, win next week, closing out the year against the Baltimore Ravens. Playing to play for in that one, but you know that's that's actually that 's probably going to have a lot to do with the uh, the question about what to do moving forward in the, the head coaching search five, you know right now, the combination of Greg Williams uh, as the head coach with Freddie Kitchens as the offensive coordinator they 've now gone five and two down the stretch after the firing of uh, Hugh Jackson and Todd haley, and so that 's Pretty, um, uh, you know, really impressive accomplishment. I, I said at the time when the move was made that it would probably take going about five and three for Greg to really get a serious look, and he's at five and two, so I think that the serious look has to start now. And for me, it's been—I've uh, really kind of been looking at him anyway for a while because this team has looked a lot better. And, and it's easy to say, you know, particularly look at that Bengals team today, that the team looks better compared to what Hugh Jackson was trotting out there. I get that. But genuinely speaking, this team was better prepared, and they played with better intensity. And, you know, learned about a, a technique that, uh, that they have employed that really has improved all three phases of the game, offense, defense, and special teams. And that is that they don't spend as much time now in the game um, planning preparation phase of their their practice sessions from week to week, which is kind of amazing when you consider that they look like they're much more prepared and their game plan is much better executed from week to week. But what they're actually doing is they're just spending more time competing against each other. In other words, it's offense against defense – and that is how they are spending more of their practice, just competing against each other, sharpening their skills. And I got to tell you something. Looking at the way they're executing some of these plays, it looks like they've been practicing more. It looks like they've just been running more plays because they. And I'm talking about on both sides of the ball. When you're seeing all of this reverse action and all of this, you know, counter stuff on the inside, and, you, and then you see the ball come out in, in uh, all these different forms, and everything just seems to be running and humming in line. That that's a sign of guys that practice a lot of these plays. Well, they're practicing going up, going practicing it going up against these defenses that are apparently at the same time that these offenses are doing this trying out these bizarre blitz blitz packages and getting home and while you know Miles was you know a force once again like he always is um there were some good individual efforts but it looked to me on on the defensive side of the ball like it really was just a very well executed defensive game plan that saw our guys in their backfield by scheme all day long and Jeff Driscoll bless his heart. Oh, that was so fun. You know, when you come into this game knowing that Hugh Jackson's going to be, you know, playing a huge part of the coaching uh, paradigm and that Jeff Driscoll's going to be quarterbacking it up, it's just you got to you got to feel well, you got to feel like it basically felt for most of this game when we are up 23 to 3 and then they go and um, you know, they en- then they end up scoring some points late in the game, which has sort of made some of the odds makers unhappy because they end up like I say, uh, not covering the spread. But I don't again, I don't care. And in games like this, you know, we get out to a big lead, and then they score some garbage time touched uh, uh, points, but then we end up winning the game easily anyway. And by the way, it was worth it. It was worth it for the for the two garbage touchdowns that they scored at the end. There, it was worth it if for no other reason than to see the back pedal. Oh my! How was? That, I mean, that thing is going to be legendary. Yeah, absolutely legendary for all of what Hugh Jackson put this t- this. Uh, uh, you know, this this crowd base, this fan base for the last two and a half seasons prior to the midway point this year where he was fired before the Kansas City game and Greg and Kitcho took over. Prior to that, what Hugh Jackson did to this fan base to see Baker Mayfield at the end of the game after completing that long pass to Ninjoku, who then takes it down the sidelines and almost, almost, I think if he would have had one more step, he would have gone for the jump because he loves to jump. I think he would have gone and he would have been able to get in there for uh, for a touchdown. And I was hoping for it too. I was really hoping for it. But as Baker's running down the field on that play, you see the backpedal because he's running past Hugh Jackson where he stops and he starts jawing at him and he keeps jawing at him and he's backpedaling as he's going down the field to where the play ends up, but he's still staring at Hugh Jackson. And I can't tell at that point if he was if he was still jawing at him if he was still you know but he but you could just see and to, and to me that's just you know the backpedal is going to be that's that's the stuff of legends that's I'm gonna remember that forever then in his rookie year he got back at his head coach in ways that nobody could have possibly imagined goes down to their town and beats them, you know, beats them up and beats them down and then comes home and does it again and does it in uh, a fashion that is, um, well, it was just, it was just fun. It was just fun from start to finish. And, yeah, you can get cranky because it wasn't a a total blowout like it really was as far as the final score is concerned. Um, I don't care. I just, I don't care. This was, it was a fun game and we, we really was never in doubt. And it was fun to watch, you know, on that touchdown pass from Baker to to Ninjoku in the first half. What I loved about that play, I was I went on and on and on about this to my wife when it happened, is that Baker throws the ball in the perfect spot. He puts it. I mean, it couldn't have been a better toss. And there was a lot of that going on today. Once once Baker got in the groove, you know that that uh, run that catch and run by Ninjoku was kind of justice for the uh, the Higo run getting taken away catcher run getting taken away earlier in the game. But all throughout the rest of the game, even though all of his completions weren't necessarily long balls, they were still, I mean, deadly accurate. You know, getting that pass on fourth down, the the roll out touchdown pass to uh to Fells, I mean, that was, you know, that was clutch. But the uh, the touchdown pass to Injoku. What I loved about that is you have Baker throwing it in the perfect spot. You have Injoku using his size and his athleticism to get in a position over the DB and jump up and snag the ball out of the air, basically making that play undefensible. And you just, I watch that and I'm thinking, you know, good job, good job, Dorsey, good job, Sashi, good job, everybody on that one. Because it's that's that's a that's a talent win. That's a, I mean that's a scheme win because you have a, you're, you know you have a guy that's uh, you know matched up one on one. Looks like they had a safety lined up against a uh, uh, guy like Ninjoku who can. Do, but it's just it's fun to watch that. It's going to be so much fun to watch this team next year. Uh, we got one more game left, of course, against the Ravens, but. Um you know the, the head coaching search now is uh it's really kind of been underway probably ever since q got let go uh there's no doubt that that the dorsey's been kind of checking and seeing what's you know determining what um the pulse of everybody is out there and and interested candidates and people that are that are gettable so to speak and so you know, depending on how this game goes against the Ravens, you know the Ravens just went out last night and soundly beat a very good team. In fact, it's a team that if we are unable to, you know, take care of business and beat them next week, then they'll be hosting a playoff game probably against those same Chargers again. Uh, the way that things are shaping up here, and of course the Chargers beat us, you know, pretty good when when we played them. So. You know, the Ravens are absolutely in the thick of the playoff hunt. And if we go out there next week and we beat them, we could knock them out of the playoff hunt, particularly with uh, the uh, the Colts coming back and winning that game. And I don't know if the Titans still have to play or what, but that was the other thing that needed to happen. The Dolphins lost. So that's the, uh, the last bit that you're hoping for there. We could we could deal a serious blow. But if Baltimore, you know, who's been on this this run with their rookie quarterback Lamar Jackson and I knew it. I knew as soon as they drafted him, I was going to hate that and I I do because he's going to be good uh, and he is good already. They're going to be a seriously tough out. But if we win that game, I don't care what the final score is or how it happens. If we win that game, 6 and 2 record to finish off the year and beating a quality Baltimore team, particularly since the playoffs are out of reach, you know, when when you don't have anything to play for, quote unquote, then uh, a team that goes out there and puts up a solid effort, that's that's a big deal. Now, that's kind of the point is that there is something to play for and it's that. Going out there and knocking Baltimore uh, out of the playoff picture—it's worth it for that. The way that that team has has pushed us around over the years, and it was nice to see—you know—this season that we were able to uh, get a little bit of revenge against the Bengals. And uh, you know, they've been they they've been one of these teams that have been pushed that, that have uh, pushed us around for a lot of years. And this year, okay, fine, we punched them in the mouth. Now we're on top. They're going to be at the bottom of the AFC North. And if we win next week we would have a chance to um well we wouldn't get a I, I, there's at this point at this point I don't think there's a chance cuz i'm pretty sure that was baltimore's ninth win so there's not a chance we can move ahead of them but um still winning you know being third in the division that's uh, that's <laughs> that's 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 better than it's been you know, certainly and uh, that's, that's a step in the right direction. But how about having a winning record in the division? No matter what happens now, against the, you know, no matter how it turns out, we're going to have a winning record in the division. If we win the game next week, we'll have a 4-1-1 one, and one record in the division, which is just unheard of. And to have uh, – and, and at that point, um, I'll be circling next year those two games against Pittsburgh because those are really the only two games. Um, well, they were the only two division games for a team that – had both games against Hugh Jackson. His first game of the season and his last game of the season. So, you know, I'd li- I really would have liked to have gotten a rematch against those guys, but next year. Next year. But with Greg Williams and the way that he has uh, prepared this team and the way that they have looked, you know, I-, I-, I think that you're hard-pressed to uh, move on from him at this point. If, now this is the, the caveat, if he wants the job... Um, I would have to imagine that he agreed to take the head coaching job on an interim basis, in no small part because he had kind of that that tick. You know, he's he's been on record as saying that he, um, you know, that he doesn't want to coach; that he was wants to co- be the coach of the defense. And that's that's true. But why would you? You know, why do you have to say that? You have to say that because you obviously struggled with it before, and that's. If, if that's the deal, you know, if you've struggled with that, you know, that, um, you know, that, that tick, that desire to want to actually go out there and have the head gig and if you're a guy that's been coaching for as long as he has, you know, it may be difficult after a long enough period of time to not kind of have that, that respect that's afforded to the head football guy. <clears throat> and if that's the case, then certainly the way that he's performed, certainly the way that this team has performed, uh, they've earned the right, I think, to uh, – he's earned the right, him, he and his staff has earned the right to get another shot at it next year. And if they go out and beat Baltimore, I, I don't know how – If I mean, if, if Baltimore just, just beats the hell out of us, I mean, if we end up going out and just laying an egg in that game – then all right, I, I could probably understand it. But if, uh, if we go out there and play a tough game and give them hell and just barely lose, or go out there and win, if we go out there and soundly beat the Ravens, what, the, what, do, what more do you want? Now, I'm not predicting that's going to happen. In fact, I wouldn't predict anything at all. I wouldn't have predicted a win today, although it was pretty, <laughs> it, it looked pretty bad on paper going into this one. And then for most of the game, you saw why. We were just, we were just a better team overall. All, all, all around, we were a better team. And that that showed for um, almost the entire game today until like say the the last part of the second uh, half when we allowed them to uh, mount a couple of things but didn't it ultimately did' not end up matter they never really got within real serious striking distance um, and that's nice I mean even though it's not the a blowout type score like you'd ho- hope or want or expect uh, <laughs> you sweep a division rival that's you take that. And I don't care uh, backups. That's it's the NFL, um, but it do, it is to say that we're going to have to play a for a more full game all the way through for sixty minutes. You know, if we have if we have a mental breakdown, have a give up a blocked punt next week, then that, that could be the ball game. So we got to make sure that we clean that stuff up. But if that happens and we go out, we do clean it up, and Baker feels extra dangerous when he wakes up that day, and we we you know we end up getting the uh, um. The win, then I, I would be very disappointed if I find out the next day that Greg Williams is uh, is not going to be retained, because I think that the way that this team has performed, I just I, I love the the overall. It's not just that the it's it, This isn't just at that at that point. I, I don't think that you could say that it's just because Hugh was so bad that anybody would look better by comparison. I think this is a talented roster, but I think that Greg appears to really be connecting with the major guys that are on it. And for him to be a defensive guy, uh, and I think that also it's one of the scenarios whereby we could keep Freddie Kitchens in his role. And I talked about this a lot on Thursday. I'm not especially interested or excited in Freddie Kitchens taking on... The, uh, the offensive coordinator or, or taking on the head coaching role at the expense of him not being the offensive coordinator. I would very much like for him to be the offensive coordinator of this team moving forward, but I'm not so invested in him that he must be kept, and therefore we'd have to make him a head coach. I talked about this with respect to Dirk Cutter and the Buccaneers. They did the same thing uh, for Jameis Winston, and at the end of four years, you haven't seen the development of Winston, and Cutter's not a good head coach. And I was talking to somebody about their situation down here, and they're thinking about, you know, they're they're talking about getting rid of everybody, getting rid of their, the GM, getting rid of the coach, and then getting rid of Jameis. Like, well, what are you going to do? Who are you going to get in his place? Oh, there's, you know, there's Nick Foles, and there's uh, – uh, Ryan Tannehill and there's Joe Flacco and there's Teddy Bridgewater and all these guys I'm like there's yeah I mean you did not name starting quarterbacks there that are going to be at that same level I'm like whatever that's what you end up doing that's what you end up doing but I'm just glad we don't even have to think about that because we got our guy we got our guy we got our guy and Baker today you know again another uh, uh, you know the first part of it missed a couple of throws maybe um, wasn't his sharpest and overcame a little adversity but, at the but, but, you know, that's kind of the point is that did overcome some adversity, didn't get some of the big throws, again, the big penalty called back that I, you know, was complaining about the officiating earlier on, but uh, apprised himself well, came back, got himself, got his, uh, you know, got his bearings underneath of him and, and came out and performed. And that's all you can ask for. Um, for anybody, at any at any player, at any at any quarterback at any level, that's all you can ask for. But this guy has played at such an incredibly high level for a rookie that it's for as much as we talk about it, I don't know that we talk about it enough because it's just so impressive. You're just not supposed to be able to do what he's doing at the rookie level, and even though defenses you know show more to him and throw more at him. Uh, with week, you know, week to week, and I'm sure the Ravens are going to be fully prepared. The Ravens are probably, you know, one of the toughest, you know, uh, tests he had all year, and we barely won that game. We won that game on the strength of it was a field goal contest, and it was really won on the the uh, strength of a strong, strong defensive effort. Now we're going to have to replicate that effort um, going up against a better quarterback because they did figure out, unfortunately, that uh, Jackson is a better option than Flacco right now. Which is unfortunate, especially from the standpoint, as I would like to get a shot at that guy with this team. But no bother, we'll take on uh, Lamb Jacks, and if we're able to uh, shut down the running lanes like we were, you know, coming into this game, it was we got to shut down Joe Mixon, and we pretty much did that. He was able to bust off a couple of runs later on, but for the most part, we held that guy in check. So, if we're able to keep the Ravens uh, from being able to tear us up on the ground and kind of force Lamar Jackson to beat us with his arm or, you know, to improvise and make plays with his legs, um, I, I like our chances there for our defense to be able to hold them in such a way to where Baker can come through and score enough points in his second go round. Uh, without Hugh Jackson and and uh Haley gumming up the works and him actually being able to and a today was another a game where multiple times throughout you saw him making the plays the changes at the <clears throat> at the line and it was a it's just such a difference between what we have now and what we had when Hugh and Haley were here but this season, you know, being at where we are, I mean, if, even if we lose the game next week, finish 7-8-1, and one, that, if you would have said coming into the year that that would be our record, you'd have taken that. To be, this, to be on the cusp of a winning season, that's just, I'm overjoyed at that. And I'm overjoyed at Baker having a shot. Um, I would just love so much if we go out and win the game, not only win the game next week, but Baker go out and throw three touchdown passes and beat, you know, the, uh, the take away, shatter the all-time uh, rookie touchdown passing record. That would just I think that that would mean so much at the same time that uh, uh, Nick Chubb goes over 1,000 yards. I would love to see these things happen. I think that it would be such a huge thing for this organization. And then the very next day, Greg Williams gets extended as – notice I haven't mentioned Bruce Arians yet. <laughs> as I, I would still be good with Bruce, but I'm liking what I see out of Greg. And I hope that he wants the job. And I think he does. I suspect that he does. And if he does, then I hope that he he game plans like crazy this week. And they put their best performance of the year together to go up and, and nothing would nothing would make me happier than to end this season going up there and thumping the Ravens in there with, with their with their playoffs on the line. Just go up in there and you know beat up on a rookie quarterback. That would just be so great um, to see that materialize that way. And time will tell, but uh, Baker. Go, you know, in the process, if he's able to uh, to break the the uh, touchdown record, that would really be that that would that may put the cap on what Thelonious deemed him the other day as uh, rookie of all time, and so that's uh, and I think that would also be really cool um, as a just as a tribute for a guy that that two and a half games into the year didn't even wasn't even with the first was didn't even get any snaps with the first team. And if you you know to end up, and also I think at that point it would augur well towards him actually getting the uh, the rookie of the year nod, which he should. It's not; it really oughtn't be close. I recognize what a great year that uh, Saquon Barkley has had, and I'm not denying that. I, in fact, I am. I'll go a step further. I was flat out wrong about him. I did not think that he was going to be um, what he has been. I I, I definitely uh, poo pooed that. Selection by the Giants, and I still think that, on balance, if if you had to do all over again, I, you would still. Although you still got to see what with Kyle Lohse is all about. They they drafted him in the third round, but I, I think that for the Giants, there, if you have another shot at it, you got to take Darnold, or 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 actually, with the, in hindsight, you may even look at, at Lamar Jackson. And you know, <coughs> <clears throat> <accus> <clears throat> ahem, 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 there were some people, ahem. That uh, had Lamar Jackson, the second-ranked quarterback in the class. Just saying, those people did exist out there. They, 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 they were. They, they, they were. They were there. At any rate, I think that's still the right move for them. But still, uh, Saquon's been a, a tremendous um, acquisition. But I, I just don't think that you can give it to a running back over a guy that turned around the Cleveland Browns. You realize that? The one guy. Now, yeah, there's definitely a rest of this team that looks very good, and we've gotten a lot of production out of uh, some – you know, I don't know if if we've made a big enough deal out of the fact that we've got three guys that are on the roster that uh, were basically first-round picks that were failed and that were reclamation projects that have resurrected their career. I just don't know if enough deal has been made of that. Wink, wink. (laughs) And, of course, I'm talking about Greg Robinson – the uh, left tackle Breshard Perriman, the wide receiver, and Demarius Randall, the free safety. I expect that Randall will be back next year. I really hope those other guys are back next year as well. Because I agree, they've uh, they, they've looked. You know, Perriman's looked fantastic. He really has. As, as has Robinson. Again, today was another one of those games where Baker was barely, you know, they barely got a, a glove on him if they did at all. Uh, I don't think he was sacked. And it, and it was just another... And there were some plays where he just had all day to uh, sit back there. Um, not a, not all of... Not every time, certainly. And, and like I say, Baker didn't look as sharp as he's looked. Baker... Okay. Think of it yourself. Today is a game where Baker was just not as sharp as he normally is, not as, uh, just just didn't attack as much as he normally does, right? I mean, is that fair? I mean, there's probably going to be people like, Baker, how could you possibly be tough on Baker after you? I'm not, I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to put things into perspective here because we've seen Baker be even more brilliant than he's been today. And yet his numbers are 27 to 37 for 286 and three touchdowns and no picks and no sacks. So even with him not that's for some for some rookies that's their best you know game of the year for some players that are in the league for a couple of years that's their best play you know like Cody Kessler's never gonna have a game like that I probably shouldn't be be too rough on Kess I probably shouldn't be too too rough on old cod uh, they, they got a win today you know fancy that knocked the Dolphins out of the playoffs so yeah there's some some cross Florida uh, rivalry going on I guess um, but that, but so all that to say that you know, when, when we're not playing our best, you know, today in one phase of the game, doesn't matter, this game was never close. Um, and the defense, honestly, up until that last part, and again, I, I think you have to kind of throw that out a little bit at the, the very last part of the game there, just because of the way that the game flows, uh, but this was their best performance of the year. I mean, they were suffocating, they were swarming, they were all over Driscoll. And the fact that Driscoll was the quarterback just was an endless source. You realize in the, at, going into halftime at the end of the first half, they had minus 15 yards passing as a team. And we had, you know, we ended up having well over 300 because not just the Baker's performance, but the, uh, the long pass by uh, Landry to Perriman. And if that pass by Higgins isn't called back, we may be over 400 yards passing today. So it's a passing league. We all know this. And we have a passing team. We got a guy that can sling it, and we got a, a, a guy, and, and not just that, but we have a guy that can make a lot of smart decisions and a lot of play. The one thing, you know, if I'm going to be, you know, critical of Mayfield in one area and something that I just, I don't want to see as much moving forward, and I realize he's kind of a compact guy, he's 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 kind of a just a, a muscular, you know, thick dude, but he's just a guy that I, just these these runs, a couple of running plays, the one at the sideline, I just don't like seeing him take those hits on the shoulder. Area, especially, you know, those are the ones that, yeah, I realize you're a tough guy and everything, and you're okay, and it's all right. But I just don't want, I don't want anything to, th- to mess up your your health. It's just too important, and particularly, so that that's that's about it. That's really all I can complain about. You know, he was his normal, um, brilliant otherwise, except for just not quite as much as we've seen him before. And this is his rookie year. This is the point, is that he's, he's... You realize what the standard is going to be next year? Look at what Patrick Mahomes looked like going from year one to year two, and he didn't even play his rookie year. You know, think about that. Mahomes had one game in his rookie year, and that was enough for the chefs to say, all right, this is our guy, we're going to move forward, we're going to get rid of uh, Alex Smith, and we're going to uh, put this guy in there, and we're ready to go. We've had a full season. Imagine how much better Mahomes might have looked this year if he actually played last year and got some experience. He might even look even better. Think of what Baker's going to look like next year. Particularly since, what are we really lacking? I know that um, we all would like some some more and better wide receivers. Uh, but Jarvo has, you know, I mean, he, he he made a couple really nice catches today. He also had a drop, but the drop, you know, was one of these plays where it actually was almost better to get the drop for what he was going to get on the, the play. And that was after we got jobbed on the PI play, the OPI play anyway. And I guess that's probably a good place to uh, uh, step off and uh, rejoin in a moment, talking about kind of the roster and the way it is and uh, the the strengths uh, for moving forward and you know where what the offseason is probably going to look like but celebrating a game that was like I say it was our homecoming today at the bake and the browns took it 26 to uh, 18 beating the cincinnati bengals in the the battle of ohio that was won by us for the first time since 2002 this is easy does it i am easy weave on dogs by nature oh, oh my. A very, very Merry Christmas to you and yours, and I certainly hope that um, that you are receiving the uh, whatever it is that you were hoping to get here this uh, this holiday season. Uh, and if you don't celebrate Christmas, then hey, I just I hope the best for you anyway. The um, this is the time of year that you know it's always just kind of fun because even if again you're and you're not into the holiday specifically, it's that. There is, it's, it's, it's since it's so widely recognized, everybody is just in that holiday attitude and that end-of-the-year frame of mind. So there's parties going on all over the place. There's just kind of a, fe- a, a more festive atmosphere. And for us, you know, the last several years, December has been, you know, we're, we're way, way out of anything approaching postseason. You know, we were, uh, our postseason for us is thinking about the draft. In fact, we're way into the draft at this point. I don't know about you. I haven't even looked at the, the, uh, the draft or any of the, the prospects coming out. I don't even know what our position is, and I don't care. I'm enjoying football. I have enjoyed this season immensely, and I'm putting all of my effort and energy and, and, uh, in, into this final game against Baltimore, which would be huge. Beating those guys is big anytime. And beating them and potentially knocking them out of the playoffs in a year that would give us our first winning season in in, uh, over a decade, I mean, yeah, bring it on. I can't wait. Can't wait. Especially the day after uh, the bowl games kick off. And I would like to see, it would be great to see Oklahoma get the big upset against Alabama. I just don't see anybody beating them. But what's going to be really nice is watching Clemson just destroy Notre Dame. I'm really, really looking forward to that. And, and, if, and look, if that doesn't happen, if it's even close, I will, you know, eat some crow on it. Because I am that confident about how that's going to go down. But then the next day, we get uh, we get the real deal. And we get football back, um, you know, one last game of this season. And then after that, it's going to be the decision about what to do with the coaching staff. And if, after that, and again, I've already said what i got to say about that. I hope that it's... that. It, uh, At this point, I'm I'm pretty much fully on board with Greg getting the gig, and I still would not be you know impartial. I wouldn't have a problem at all with it being uh, Bruce Arians if he were to come along, but uh, or necessarily if would be averse to Freddie Kitchens. But again, I've said my piece about why that could be a bad idea. But I'm just saying right now, my my Druthers, my leaning would be that we would just stick with what we got going on here. Is what we got going on right now looks pretty good, but. After this final game, whatever happens, we're going to head into the off season, and the decisions that we have to make going into this off season significantly different than decisions that we've had to make going into previous off seasons. As things stand right now, we're looking at check this out—we're looking at depending on what you believe and how you prorate these things, we're anywhere from eighty-one to eighty-five million dollars under the salary cap. Did you know that? Because you know, last year we had this massive, uh, you know, space under the cap. We spent quite a bit of that money, but you know we also rolled over quite a bit, and here we are once again with uh, that much that we're going to be able to, whatever we don't spend, we'll roll over yet again. And so you look at what, uh, what we have roster-wise coming out, and the first thing that you have to look at are players that are potentially leaving. And while for the most of this part of this year I've thought, well, we don't really have anybody that we have to worry about because all of our guys are inked long-term, That's actually changed now with the way that Perriman has performed and the way that Greg Robinson has performed. I think that at this point, and you're probably going to be in a spot with with Robinson, you know, Robinson is out there playing, um, like, pretty solid left tackle. And in a league where there is a serious paucity of talent at at the tackle position, you know, Greg Robinson was the second pick overall. He's going to get a lot of looks. He's not going to get. He's not necessarily going to go for a sweetheart deal with us. We're going to have to pay this dude. Uh, this was a prove it year for for uh, him, and he proved it. So we're probably going to be in the neighborhood of like three years, like twenty five to thirty million, and like maybe half of it's guaranteed. That's probably what we're going to end up having to do with uh, Greg. Ro- and do it, do it, just do it. Because the the difference between him and Desmond uh, Harrison was profound. And by the way, Chris Hubbard calm down over this stretch as well, it doesn't really look like we got a problem at the tackle position. Not to say that you don't get a guy if one drops to you in the draft, but I think that you, you know, we, we're at a spot now because we got a quarterback. If we, if we effectively keep what we have together here, then what, one of the things that that means among, and it really is the best possible uh, eventuation of all of this, is that we don't really have this big turnover uh, effect of you know we we when we hired Hugh we hired Sashi then we fired Sashi but we kept Hugh in place and then we fired Hugh but his people were still in place for the most part and if we go into next year that means we didn't really have the huge blow up thud moment although you know uh, Dorsey meathead did uh, break up you know like sixty five percent of the roster from last year to this one so which certainly is is enough but I'm saying that if we go into next year with a with a Coaching staff in place that is, you know, they they with Baker solidly locked in as our quarterback, Freddie Kitchens, the offensive coordinator is going to be working his stuff and preparing game planning all offseason long. Um, then you go out and you look at, you know, what we what we need for the rest of the roster. Tyrod Taylor is going to be gone. You know, he's a guy that's going to be um, a free agent because we're not going to re-sign him, particularly for the, you know, he's on the hook right now for $15 million. So he's going to go and he's going to be somebody's backup because I think that however just it is playing in Hughes' offense, he unfortunately is only going to be remembered in those two-and-a-half games as a guy that was wildly, wildly outplayed by a rookie, even though um, that rookie probably is going to end up having the greatest, you know, rookie season for a quarterback ever. Um, It still doesn't bode well for Tyrod, so he's likely to go be somebody's backup somewhere. And that means that our primary backup is going to be Drew Stanton and Drew Stanton is going to be very important. I, you know, I I didn't realize until Baker was talking about it last week that he basically is like the guy that is just devouring the offensive plays, you know, in the first half and then just regurgitating all over Baker's brain at halftime about what he saw. And I think that he's a really important part of, of the whole team. And I think that he could also be the backup quarterback. I mean, if Baker gets hurt for any length of time, then we're pretty much screwed anyway. You're not going to have, you know, it's, we can't really do things like the Eagles did where they've got to have a backup, uh, you know, a quality backup because they just can't rely on Carson Wentz. The converse in that scenario is I think that uh, Nick Foles, I don't know what his contract structure is, but I think that dude's got to go be a starter for somebody next year. The way that he's playing, you know, bringing the team back and beating a good Texans team today, and um, that that's – after beating the Rams last week. That's, I, I think, Foles, which, I mean, by the way, you see how that's all playing out in Philadelphia. Who'd you, who would you rather have right now, Carson Wentz or Baker Mayfield? Just saying. And so when you look at the, you know, we don't really have, I mean, we could bring back Brogan Roback, I suppose, as the uh, the third string guy. I think everybody would love that. And then, bam, we're set at quarterback. I don't know, maybe you go and get a another veteran guy, but I'm not really sure who's going to be available out there that you're going to want to bring in um, that's ultimately going to be better than Stanton. And I think Stanton's role is fine what it is, uh he's he's not especially great but he you know he did okay for uh Arians and Kitchens when he was in Arizona he showed to be a guy that he could come in and get a split over a long period of time talk about what the role of a backup quarterback is all I'm saying is I don't know that you necessarily need to expend a lot of resources on a backup quarterback maybe you get a guy if one falls to you late in the draft as a project guy um but I think it just kind of depends on the player as opposed to just drafting for the position but I'm perfectly comfortable going into next year with Stanton as the backup quarterback. Bakers the you know the reason that thyroid is on the the team is because he's the starter going into the year because of Hugh Jackson's hard-headedness and and everything else. Well, that doesn't that doesn't factor in now and he's going to be gone anyway. So Stanton makes plenty of sense as the backup quarterback at that point. And then you look at the running back position and you know what I mean Nick Chubb is having just a fantastic rookie season and there's no reason to expect that there's, you know, he's going to be the starter next year. He's going to go in as the the bell cow uh, with, and then having the ability to go to Duke Johnson on uh, third down plays and on, you know, you know, change of pace back that he's been and, and receiving back that he's been. The stable, and then that's not even counting, you know, you could get Dontrell Hilliard. I mean, sure, you can always add players, but this is the point is that There's really no, there's no real big, huge weaknesses on this team. If you move to even a wide receiver, the way that that Perriman has has played, you know, he comes back playing at the level that he's played the last month or so, and with Jarvis playing the way that he's capable of playing, the the wide receiving core, especially if Callaway makes a jump forward next year, and if Higgins continues to play at the level that he's played at for most of this year, I think that... uh, the wide receiving core doesn't look anywhere near as bad as it did and there's guys that could be available I've mentioned Tyrell Williams there's guys that could be available in the draft so maybe you can add a couple of bodies to that unit you know we're going to get Derek Willies back he was um, you know he was developing a rapport with Baker before getting hurt big big target Tight end. How about uh, Darren Fells having a game today? And David Njoku having a big game today? David Njoku's really kind of had a, a redeeming second half of the year as well. Had some trouble with, with dropping the ball first part of the year. But I think that David Njoku is poised to have kind of a breakout year. He'll be a guy that you should really look at in your fantasy rosters next year. Look for him to score maybe a couple of touchdowns next week against the Ravens. He's going to be a guy that's going to be Baker's. Um, just a, a just a matchup nightmare that Baker's going to be able to exploit as he goes into the offseason now, fully installed as the the starting quarterback on the roster. And when you look at that offensive line, and again, if a guy falls to you, you know, if there's a guy, if Jonah Williams or somebody like that falls to us at whatever point we're going to be picking at, which is going to be, you know, anywhere from like 17, 18 to 22, 23, it's going to be in that range we're going to be picking at this point. You know, if somebody like that falls to us and we're, you know, we're able to get. A, a starting caliber tackle. I'm not going to say don't don't get them because we've got it settled. But I'm saying that if we go into next year with Greg uh, with uh, Greg Robinson and Chris Hubbard at tackles the way they've played the second half of this year, I'm good with that. And then Zeitler and Batonio are both Pro Bowl alternates. And you've got J.C. Treader. Who has been good and tough, but, you know, has had some trouble staying healthy, which is what, you know, the the toughness part of it. But then you've got Austin Corbett, who figures to be competing for the center position next year, possibly, or just being a, a quality interior backup guy. Point is, you've got a pretty solid offensive line there overall. Um... And and you know you get add again you add if a if a guy falls to you then you add whoever you need to add but you you're not I'm, what I'm saying there is other than just adding I don't really see anything on that whole off- offensive side of the ball this is man we are really just derelict in all of you know these position groups or at this particular position group all the players that we have are not sufficient to play no i think that i mean if you can if you could get a guy you know get a big tough fast you know a michael irvin type guy that that is your playmaker that can come on the field and really um add that dimension to your roster if you get a guy like that then yeah I'd, i would love that I, I, those guys are hard to find but if we got a guy like that i would love it but it's it's got to be a guy that we love talked about this you know a couple episodes ago about how it's not about drafting a player just because of the position that they play but drafting a player because you love the player and if we see one of those guys out there that looks like he could be one of those guys, then yeah. Go get that guy, but don't get a guy just because he's a wide receiver that is six three and two twenty and runs a four five and has the right pedigree. But you're just not really sure about the player himself. Can't just, you can't just look at metrics. But that's you know, be that as it may. I'm saying if even if we don't make any adjustments, the improvements that figure to happen with guys like Callaway, even guys like Ratley. You know, you saw what how uh, Higgins improved in his three years. You know, if he could make a, a more of an adjustment, the, the the receiving core doesn't look all that bad. Move to the de- the, the uh, defensive side of the ball. Miles Garrett having another great game today. Uh, probably is going to make the All Pro team. Is in the the Pro Bowl. You've got uh, Agba, who you know a lot of people are you know salty because he doesn't disrupt as much as he should. I think that when you watch the tape, he does do uh it, he's not nothing out there. He's he's definitely a contributing force. Um Larry Ogan Joby got a sack today. He was you know he's he's had a, a really solid sophomore year. Um, okay, you could look at the that, that kind of that position at three tech on the defensive line. And Travon Coley, uh I think you could even play Anthony Zettel there a little bit uh, or rotate Agba in there. But uh, that that's certainly one that, okay, yeah, fine, you could, I'm, I, I, I'm not, again, I'm not averse to adding anybody, but that, if that's your, that may be the biggest quote-unquote weakness or need that is on the roster, and I think that if you look at it and say that that's a need, but then you look at the way that the game was played today, and we had to shut down a guy that was the leading rusher in the AFC and didn't look like we had too much trouble clogging up the running lanes. So I'm not really too. I'm, I'm not, and, and didn't really look like we had too much trouble. In fact, it hasn't really looked all year, quite honestly, like we've had too much trouble getting pressure on the passer. Excuse me. I know that my one dude's going to enjoy that, but I think that uh, our ability to um, get pressure on the passer has been, you know, today it was on full display, and all year long it's been a team strength. And so that's not really something that uh, that I'm, I'm really worried about in terms of if if we get a guy, great. And there's guys that are available, Christian Wilkins and other defensive tackles that are available in the draft. And if we, if one of those guys falls to us, then what I'm saying is, yeah, I'd love it. But if we consider that position to be a need, like if we consider that, that position to be one that we were – that we just needed to get a higher level of starting quality there, then I think that's the type – of player that you try to go out and get in free agency, I really believe that where we are at right now, when we got Baker when we could potentially be going into next year with an established coaching staff in place that we 're satisfied with, and that is not you know nobody going into next year is going to be about installing new crap it 's just going to be about refining what we 've been doing and that 's a big that 's a to me that 's a big draw that 's a big seller is we we just continue the, the same routine, keep practicing the same way, keep coaching the same way that we've been doing it, and you don't go into next year like reinventing the wheel. You go into next year fully focused on doing the things that made you successful in the second half of this year, and that's your entire offseason. And you go into that with... and So at that point, I think that where you've got deficiencies or lack of, you know, where you think that you need to have an upgrade, you do those things in free agency because you can get a better gauge of where and how a guy can perform after he's been in the league for a little while versus um, a guy that you're drafting and now you're projecting that he's going to reach that level. And certainly that's all a function of, of uh, you know, of scouting and so on. And, and Dorsey's done a fantastic job. I mean, this draft is going to go down... You know, legendary, particularly if uh, Austin Corbett has a good NFL career with us. Uh, Just a tremendous, but you can't expect that every year is the point. You know, we're going to be drafting wherever we're drafting. I doubt we're going to move up. It's hard to say at this point, I guess. But it just doesn't seem like that's uh, like that's Meathead's mo. It seems like his his deal is to stay where he's at and get good players at where he's at. And I think that he'll do that. But you don't, you know, you get a good player. That will be that can be a net improvement and an upgrade over possibly a player that you have already on the roster because you like that player. This is the point like let's say that we were to go and get a guy um I don't know, maybe not, and I can't think of anybody right off the top of my head that's playing out there at at the uh, defensive tackle let's say that you really like a defensive lineman if there's somebody out there that is a a higher um level than Coley. But isn't kind of in that Pro Bowl level that you know that, but they're they're a quality starter level defensive tackle and a good complement to the rest of the line. Now that's somebody that you'd want to have on the roster certainly. That's somebody that you'd want to have in there, and that you know would be possibly an upgrade to what we have going on right now. It could also be that Coley develops into that, you know, as he gets better just as a – and with more experience as an NFL player. But that doesn't preclude you then from – if you're sitting there at whatever position we're drafting at and that guy comes to you and he's the best player that's on your board, he's the guy that you like better than anybody else, then take him. You're not – you know, just because you signed a guy, you can rotate guys in and out. And then that becomes a position of strength on your team whereas it was maybe shaky going into the offseason. And then what else are you going to complain about? I mean, you got, you know, if you look at the edge position with the way that Miles is playing and the way that you can shift Avery in there, Avery looks like he's been a steal in the draft. You know, certainly you can add depth at the linebacker position. I'm fine with that. But the way that showbert's played, if uh, Kirkso, Kirk, you know, Kirksey comes back healthy and uh, Jamie Collins maybe a bit overpaid, but uh, has shown up for the second half of this year, has looked a lot better. Um, yeah, again, depth and, you know, get a guy to push, you know, the guy that, you know, if uh, injuries happen, I'm, I'm fine with all of that. But notice that as I'm kind of going through all of this, you get into the secondary, and Ward, you know, and, they, and Ward maybe shut down. He he'd left the game today with what looked like concussive uh, symptoms, which is unfortunate because he's had a great rookie year and played well again today. You know, you have him and Terrence Mitchell. That's not the worst starting cornerback uh, tandem in the league. Now, you generally need to have two or three guys. That's the deal. So, yeah, you probably still do need to have, you know, that may be a position where you look at and say, okay, it'd be nice to get an upgrade there. But that's another one where I would probably rather sign a guy that could step in and possibly be a starter or a guy that could come in and play a slot uh, cornerback position as opposed to trying to draft a guy in that, in that, for that same role. And similarly, on the, at the safety level, you know, even though Demarius Thomas and uh, Jabril Peppers have both played well, again, it's kind of a crapshoot if both if either of those guys get hurt. Um, Derek Kindred kind of represents your best depth behind them, and that's probably not your best option. Would like to get so there's there is definitely room for improvement. And then in the special teams, Hewlett's a fine long snapper, and you've got Greg Joseph as a. Uh, um, you know, steady, He's, he did, he missed an extra point today, but whatever. That's just one of those things. He uh, has been fine as a place kicker. So you have him. Colquitt's just been you know awesome as a punter. So you're good there. So again, not not a whole lot of holes on this roster. There's not a whole lot of places. So if we just get this coaching thing right, and if it's just a matter of keeping the same guys we have and they refine what they do and go into next year with that thing kind of, it's no longer a, we're feeling this thing out. It's a this is how we do things, and they just go into next year. Just this is how this we're doing those things now. And we get a couple of those players through free agents. We don't have to go out and break the bank. We just need to go get maybe three, four, five guys, and just fill in those areas that maybe aren't as strong. And meanwhile, you know, fill in those other depth areas where, you know, if we if we miss a player here and there, it's, we're not in the best spot. That's how you build. That's how you build championship caliber rosters. And then when the draft comes, we just take what comes to us. You know, we just see where, you know, whoever the guy is, when it comes to our our spot, that we just take that guy and do, like, how the Steelers do, how the Ravens do, quite frankly, how the Bengals do. They just always seem to take that guy that uh, best works for them in that spot. And uh, we do that, then, hey, there's, and, you know, maybe if there's a shot to get, you know, make a a, uh, a, a trade for, for somebody, I wouldn't be opposed. Like, if there was a stud-wide receiver, some people throw out Odell Beckham, um, and I don't know if he's the right answer for this but okay fine if we were if we could get a chat to get that guy and it cost us our first round pick this year okay i'm fine with it or a player of that caliber at the wide receiver position if we really like the guy that was like that or you know whoever whoever is out there that you like that's kind of at that that upper echelon level of wide receiver or even three tech I mean, if there's a guy, if, if we thought that there was a guy out there that could, you know, start for us and make our team that much better, because if there was a really good wide receiver that really could complement Baker and give him uh, a, a big target and help him out, then how valuable is that? Same thing is how valuable is a guy that can eat up blockers on the interior and expose more of the edge uh, pressure to come from the outside with both Miles and Agba? These are the things that we have to look forward to in this offseason, and it's going to be so much more fun not having to speculate about all of the quarterbacks coming out. Because, by the way, have you looked at the quarterback class coming out next year? (laughs) Yeah, Good luck, anybody that's uh, in that market. It won't be us, though, because we'll be going into next year with, uh, with playoffs on our mind. I know, playoffs? Well, not this year, but it's all good. Uh, Merry Christmas, everyone. The Browns giving us all a Christmas gift today as they pound the Bengals for the second time this year, sweeping them on the season and, and guaranteeing a winning record in the division. Um, all of that happening today, 26-18. to 18. Uh, My name is Easy Weave. This has been Easy Does It on Dogs by Nature. You can reach me at easyweave at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on the Twitter and the Facebook just by looking for Easy Weave. It's always a pleasure and an honor to speak with you folks and uh, today is no exception. It's been more fun this season because this has been the most fun season that I can remember in a long time. Uh, I think as far as the most fun goes, it's definitely uh, we're at the level of how it was in 2007. We almost made the playoffs, and we almost, you know, are in a spot to uh, almost, almost make the playoffs this year, but that's fine. Next year. That's the year, and uh, it's going to be so much fun this offseason in, uh, in preparation for that. But until next week, we got one more game left against the Ravens. That's what's, that's what's up. That's what I'm looking forward to next, and we'll preview that game coming up here on Thursday. I hope that you all have a wonderful Christmas day, and uh, between now and Thursday, I, I hope that uh, you get everything that you want underneath the tree, uh, wrapped and unwrapped how you like it, and uh, until we speak again, good luck. Take care. God bless. Merry Christmas! i you you listen to podcasts, check it out.